Are you freaking kidding me? It is another edition of Trust the Process Live. No Reverend Hyden, no Reverend Hyden around here. I'm gonna be hosting today. I'm Josh Safran, and no Reverend Hyden today because we've got a special guest on our podcast, the one, the only host of the J-Spot podcast, Janelle B. Coat. Janelle, it's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing, Janelle? And tell us a little bit about your podcast before we get started. Sure. First, I want to thank you guys for having me on today. Um, I'm really excited to join you guys today to talk some sports. Um, so yes, I have a podcast, the J-Spot Sports Podcast. Uh, basically, I started it last year, September of 2020. I've been doing about maybe one or two episodes per month, different topics. Uh, we've touched on mental health in sports. We've touched on fantasy uh, football. We've touched on multiple issues. We touched on, um, of course, NFL, NBA, college sports. Um, so I just started back again, January of this year. I released an episode on a year anniversary of Kobe's death. Um, so that's up and running now. I came out on the 26th. So um, I should be doing some more sometime this month. Um, so just excited about it. And you can um, follow me on Instagram at jspotpod. And thank you again for having me on tonight. Well, Janelle, thank you again for coming on. And I certainly will be following you on everything right after this show. And JJ, you know I'm coming to you last. So for now, Maximilian, <laughs> the five-digit man. Oh, maybe there's five, maybe there's six. That's me doing my banners impression. How are we doing, Max? Um, uh, I just I just want to get to JJ. Who cares? Who cares? Let JJ go. That's what we're all JJ, Super Bowl, Super Bowl week. Do I even have to ask? Do I even have to ask? Super Bowl goals, as my man Drizzy would say. Y'all see the board behind me, the new addition to the wall behind me. It's got the confidence level and the nervous level up there. My confidence is at 65% right now. <laughs> confidence level out of 100 is 65 on day one. We'll see where that goes. The rest of the week, I'll be checking in with TTP for my vibe checks every day. But y'all can't bring me down today. My my team is going to the Super Bowl, and your team has a coach that can't remember his scripts uh, on a on a pregame press. We, we we are not the same right now. We'll get into it though. Coming out hot. I mean, I was celebrating you. You're choosing, you're choosing violence from the beginning, but hey, <laughs> get back to the Super Bowl. We'll get back to the Super Bowl. But for right now, we can all unite over your. Philadelphia 76ers, and let's get right into it. The first question that I want to pose to you guys, where are you ranking the 76ers in your NBA power rankings? I'm, last week, we talked about the East. This week, let's open up to the whole NBA. And Janelle, I'm going to let the two guys go first here. You listen to what they say. The, the, one of them will probably say something blasphemous, and you'll be able to <laughs> sound really smart afterwards. So, Maxadelphia. Where are the 76ers on your power rankings as now? I mean, I'm, I just want to start by saying this. I'm not going to put them above the Lakers. You can you can all stop holding your breath now. That's not going to happen. I will say that the league is still too volatile. I'll say the Lakers are clear the number one team in the league. But I have I have issues with, with cementing anybody at anywhere, really, between two and, what, five or six. The, the league is so volatile. There's – it feels like, you know, with, with COVID and, and, you know, the, these, these, I mean, mo I mean, mostly it all boils down to COVID, right. And the fact that teams are having to alter their rotations and 
you know, rosters and, and, you know, rotations can change at the drop of a dime, you know, even a couple hours before game time, you know, it's even, it's even happened to the Sixers this year. So the Lakers seem to be the only ones who are immune to it in terms of, of being able to push through with seamlessly. Right. I, I don't, I don't, I have anything that's going to make me bet against the Lakers, but I will say the Sixers are very, very, very much in the two a through two E conversation, you know, I personally have seen enough to say that I don't know how you could put them any lower than third. Objectively, they've taken down pretty much any any formidable challenge they've had to face. They've handled their business against the bad teams. You know, they've had they've had you know uh, they have I should say they have an MVP front runner and Joel Embiid. I, I I think that you know trying to contain my excitement for them objectively, they are a very very good team, but. I'm going to do the fact that the league is very, very crazy right now. I, I don't want to cement anything other than Lakers at one. All right. I make some fair points there, but that's a, is that, that's a soft three, maybe two from Max. I'm saying, I'm saying top three, but you can certainly argue them for two. All right. All right. YG, what are we thinking? Max, I'm so shocked. Like I'm not as shocked as you were last week to do the whole dramatic thing, but I'm, I'm so shocked that <laughs> – you, you can't be, like, so confident about your team. I don't know if you don't want to be overzealous, if you, if you don't want to overcompensate. But run out your squad. And that's the number one team in the Eastern Conference coming off last week beating the reigning champs, yesterday coming off of a comeback win against Indiana without Joel Embiid, and they're looking very, very impressive. Now, up until yesterday, it was the Sixers at the top of the Eastern Conference and Utah Jazz at the top of the Western Conference. Okay. The Jazz have won 11 straight, but the Clippers now are at the top just, just based on record. But the two hottest teams in the league are the Sixers and the Utah Jazz. So if I'm asking myself which one of these teams at the top of the West or at the top of their conference is better, I'm going to Philadelphia 76ers. Like don't don't confuse power rankings for best odds to win the title or best shot to win the title. Power rankings are fluid. They changed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I agree with that completely. I wouldn't put the Jazz anywhere near the top of the power range. Right, right, right. They, they, change, they change on a week-to-week basis. No, but I would disagree. I would put the Jazz at the top of the power rankings because they're they're the hottest team in the league, 11 straight, the second-best record in the league, and the Sixers for the same argument is that they are one of the hottest teams in the league coming off of beating the rating champs, coming off of a 20-point comeback to Indiana without their best player. They are the number one team in the power rankings in the NBA, and I would say that for such. And you just outlined a bunch of reasons why. Okay, I have a, I have an MVP front runner right now. I have just won three very very impressive games, two of them being on the road. So I mean, it's okay. It's okay to dive 100% into your team. Like y'all are so traumatized. Y'all are so traumatized by jumping in all the way and then getting disappointed two weeks later. When your team is number one in the power rankings, it's okay to boast and brag about that. I would say right now, the Sixers are the number one team. If I had to put a power rankings together, I'd have them above the Los Angeles Lakers. Ooh, all right. All Fair right. enough. Really quick, really quick. I just want to say something. You know, Maybe this is me trying not to jump all the way in, but as crazy as this sounds, that Lakers-Sixers game only reaffirmed to me that the Lakers are the best team in the NBA because the Lakers – 
slept through that whole entire game, and they went on an absurd. Uh, I thought they were. I thought the Sixers were going to lose that game. The Sixers well, were were so. one missed jumper away from losing that game with a very, very, very bad collapse. Like but, we, but, that's but, all we would be talking about. We wouldn't be talking about the Sixers being number one. We would be talking about how they let the Lakers go on a, a twelve nothing run to end the game. And no, win. but they closed yeah. it out. But then Ben Simmons came alive in the fourth quarter. You got a big stop by Matisse Thybulle at the end of the game. So, so they brought it together. The Lakers are the Lakers. The Sixers were up 10 with a minute and a half to go, the and they lost. Gonna make a run. That's the reigning chance. It's LeBron James, Max. They're going to make a run, but you beat them. All right. All right. All There's right, a difference between making a run and making a run with a double-digit run in less than two minutes. That's what I'm getting at here. All right. All right. We'll get back to this Lakers game in a moment, but let's hear Janelle. <laughs> are, you, are, you with, are you with the real Jimmy J up here and saying Sixers are number one right now? Are you ready to make that leap? In the power rankings, yes, I do believe right. that they are the number one team. I mean, if you look at it, we played maybe two to three games with, what, six, seven people. So imagine if we would have had our full team. Our record would probably be the best in the NBA right now. I mean, they've played some great games, um, I would say, versus the Lakers. Um, I think that the Lakers went on that last run because JoJo wasn't himself when he fell on his back. Mm -hmm. LeBron and because before that he was tearing the Lakers up after that play you could tell that his movement wasn't as great as it was in the beginning of the game and that's what prompted the Lakers uh that run because all of the other runs in the games the Sixers were able to kind of maintain it and then come back and then it would go up to 10 go up to 12 points but I believe that the Sixers right now are the number one in the in the power rankings I think they have the MVP on their team and Joel Embiid um, I don't think that anybody else – I mean, some people think it's KD because he's coming back from his injury, but I don't think it's him because look at the Nets record. Um, mm -hmm. If you want to give him comeback player of the year or something like that, but not MVP. Um, JoJo, indeed, is the MVP in, in, in the season this year. So, yes, I do believe that they are the top team. Now, when you say best team in the NBA, that's a different yeah. story. Different. It's the difference between best team and power rankings. Like you said, power rankings are fluid. They can change. It can change by two days from now. Mm -hmm. So right now, I think that the Sixers are the top in the power rankings in the NBA. Oh, so we got two. We got two number ones. We got Max. He's not quite ready. And, and I, I hate to say it, guys. I'm not quite ready there either. I got them at two behind the clip. I got the Clippers. <laughs> I got the Clippers and I got the Jazz. It's too tough. But here's on that note, so this is more towards you, JJ and Janelle. If you think they're number one in the power rankings last, uh, right now, who, who else up there? You know, we mentioned the Jazz, but they're on the West. Who are you most scared of to face in, in a seven-game series? I mean, it's a bit of a different question, but I think if, if you consider yourself the number one, there's got to be some of those other teams that scare you. Who's number one that scares you the most? I'll go off the bat. Who should scare you all the most is Boston. You've seen them two times without their best player. They've given you, given you a game both times. But if I'm looking at the teams that match up very well against the Sixers, I look at Milwaukee, who still hasn't figured it out yet. We haven't even mentioned them at the top of our power rankings. They're having an up-and-down season. They just, they just lost one to the Pelicans the other night. So they're not looking too hot right now. And then the other option probably is Brooklyn, right? And they just lost, they just lost a 149-point game to the Wizards, who have been – Terrible this season, and he let the Wizards put up 149 on them. So it's 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 we know that the Brooklyn can't defend, and that we know 
that Milwaukee has trouble scoring on offense. Two things that the Sixers can lock down. But Boston can give it to you on both ends of the floor. They can have two 30-point scores, and at the other end can have two players that won't shut you down. But Daniel Tice and Marcus Smart are defensive players. They play very well on the defensive side of the ball and match up very well with the Sixers. And you look, we talked about how good is Jalen Brown last week. Well, I mean, Jalen Brown gave the Sixers 42, and this is without Jason Tatum. And with them in the lineup, they both average close to 25 to 26, 27 points a game. That's two prolific scores that Boston throws at you. So in a seven-game series, that's going to be tough to game plan against both of them, and you haven't seen them at full strength. Like If the playoffs started right now, I'd be more scared of the team that plays us very well, and we haven't seen them at full strength yet. Yeah, that's a good point. You, you've seen all these other teams. You haven't seen the Nets at full strength either. Played them once, and now it's without KD and Kyrie, and then lost to them. That's a whole different story. But we know we know the Nets struggle so much on the defensive side of the ball, and we know that no one can guard Joel and beat on the Nets. We absolutely yeah, that's we lost to actually play defense. Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> there, there, there's no question that no one on the Nets can guard Joel and beat. But you look at Boston; you've had your problems with that team in the past, and you still have yet to see them this year. Full strength. That would worry me if I'm the Sixers. Janelle, Janelle, you going with the Celtics or? or yeah, I would have to. I would have to agree with the Celtics um, because, like, like you said, they play great against us. They match up great. I mean, we did beat them twice recently, but that was without Tatum. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see us against them for strength, just to see how we match up this season. Because our team is a little bit different this season than it was oh, yeah. last season. So I would like to see how we match up against them. The Bucks. They can be kind of tough if, you know, like like he said, they haven't been playing that great lately. Um, the Nets, I just – I'm not really scared of the Nets, to be honest, Ooh. because of their defense. Their defense is horrible. Depending on what they do, trade deadline. If they can find something to match up against Joe, that may alter my take. Sure. But I don't I, think I they have no strategy to stop I I, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't say there's no reason to worry about the Nets. Oh, 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 no, no, I mean, I'm not I'm, – I'm more scared about the Celtics and the the Bucks than I am the Nets. Like, the Nets would be my third team. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, of course, I'm scared because they have three of the top great offensive players. But I just – defensively, is I think it's going to be – all of the games are going to be high scoring because – like I said, they don't have nobody to stop Joel Embiid. So unless they do something at the trade deadline, like I heard they were trying to see if the Cavs were going to buy out Drummond and trying to see if they were going to uh, do other things. I mean, if they get Drummond, then that's a totally different story. That's, that I would put them like 1A, 1 and 1 with the Celtics mm-hmm. um, if they get Drummond because that'll that'll be great for them. But I would say it would be the Celtics, the Bucks, and then the Nets. All right, all right, and and oof, you got me a little nervous saying you're not scared of the Nets. Uh, don't want to, don't want to jinx it or anything like yeah, that. Don't but wake Max, a sleeping bear now. Don't wake a sleeping bear now. <laughs> now, Max, you said you didn't have the Sixers number one in your power rankings, and I agree. But I'm going to give you a little curveball since you didn't have them number one. Which one of those teams do you think the Sixers would have the best chance against? Best chances in teams against in the East. In the East for the or playoffs. The best chance. Okay. Um, who I'm going to say out of the three teams that, you know, Janelle and, mm-hmm. and JJ yeah. just talked about, I would say that I would like to see Milwaukee the most, right? Like 
they're you know they're the team figuring it out. They're the team with all the the pressure on them after after underperforming the last two years. You know they're the one who's going to have the coach on the hot seat. So I uh, I think that I would prefer to see them. Um, I actually to the original question I was going to say I would at least prefer to see the Nets because of the nature of the playoffs there's not as much wild play and and in a more structured half court oriented game. You know the Nets have three guys who can take half court possession every single possession if they if they so choose. Granted, the parts around them are, are pretty lackluster, but that's not as big as a deal when you're only playing seven or eight guys a night at most. So uh, I would say that in terms of teams I would like to see the most, I would say Milwaukee, Boston, because, yeah, Tatum Tatum's and, and Brown do do work to us. But I, I think that against the Celtics in years past, especially last year, coaching was the biggest difference. I think that yeah. I think I'd take the Sixers in a, in a Celtics series this year. I, I do. I think. I think that that would be one hell of a series. I think that it's it's probably destined to, to go seven. But I think that, you know, I think that based on what I'm seeing this year, it, it feels correct in saying that Joel Embiid is marginally the best player on the court in a seven-game series in that matchup. So I, I think that would be the difference. So I, I would say teams that I want to see the most, Milwaukee, Boston, Brooklyn, in that order. But, but Max, this is the first time that we may be able to look at all three of these matchups and definitively say the Sixers have the coaching advantage in all of them. Oh, I I think so. Agreed. I think so. Yeah, uh, at least I'll, I'll call the Celtics a push. I'll call the Celtics a push. Uh, you, you guys know I have enormous respect for Brad Stevens. I, 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 I will I will say that the only coach that I'll say is clearly better than any other coach in a playoff matchup situation is Greg Popovich, and then it's tiered from there. And I, I think that Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens, and, and Glenn are both are both top tier in that regard. But I think Pop is, you know, Pop is the wizard. He's the guy that nobody is going to get, you know, if you give Greg Popovich the Nets, the Nets are, are going to cruise to the title. You know what I mean? If you give Greg, Greg Popovich the Sixers, I think the Sixers probably have an easier walk to the title than than with Gun Rivers. So no disrespect I, to him. I, I, I definitely co-sign that. Yeah, I, I co-sign that. But uh, on to the next question over here. So, you know, I go on ESPN, I go on The Athletic, and I see a lot of articles about the Lakers and the Nets. Mm-hmm. So let's – let's. there's a Philly station over here. Janelle, I'll ask you this one first. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, are the Sixers getting the respect they deserve from the media and the rest of the league as a whole? Um, I would say yes and no. Um, I think that – Certain um, shows that I've watched, they have been getting respect. Like one of my favorite all-time uh, shows to watch is First Take. I've been watching that since I can't even remember how long. But I know that the other day, um, Stephen A. brought up the, the point that is it time to talk about and be passing Giannis as becoming like the top player in the NBA after, you know, this season. So I think that it depends on what you're listening to. Um, I think that some places are giving them respect. Um, I think that some places kind of are not. They're still mainly based off of the fact, I believe, of Ben Simmons and his play. I think that that's where people are kind of like, I don't know. It depends on Ben. It's a little iffy. So I think that it depends. Sometimes they're getting their respect. I will say this, after the Lakers win, I didn't hear too many people talking about that game really a lot and how yeah. you know big of a win that was for the Sixers. I didn't really hear that. And I think it might have been because Deshaun Watson came out that he wanted a, tr- a trade. So mostly everybody was talking about that, and the Sixers kind of 
got no kind of shine whatsoever. Um, but I think it depends on, on where where you're listening to. Some places are giving them the respect, um, but some places aren't. Um, I think that, like I said, it's that whole Ben Simmons thing. I think that has people kind of iffy on putting the Sixers in that top tier or, you know, in that uh, mid of the pack level. All right. No, that's fair. It depends on where you're getting your news from. Usually the case about anything, sports or not. Now, Maximilian, what are your thoughts? Are they getting the respect they deserve? Or do they not earn that respect? Maybe uh, it's up to you. Up to you. I I I think you kind of I don't say took the words out of that, but I think they are getting the respect they deserve. They're a team that's that has the attention of the media. They are most certainly on the national radar. Joel Embiid is. I got to be honest. This doesn't. This probably doesn't happen to fans too often. But I got to say, the the national media beat me towards pushing Joel Embiid for MVP because I wasn't ready to 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 start proclaiming that on the top of the hillsides, you know what I mean? And, and next thing I know, I wake up and Joel Embiid is, is, you know, the guy for MVP now, apparently it's him and LeBron. And, you know, I'm sure the NBA was maybe just hyping that for that, that primetime game, but you know, there's some real merit to that. And and I think the Sixers are not, they don't deserve the, the media love the Lakers do because the Lakers are the reigning champions and they just got better. The Lakers deserve to be, you know, the overwhelming majority favorite to, to repeat this year. I think that's fair. I think the fact that the Sixers have, you know, some kind of a market share in, in the finals prediction department, I think is more than fair to them. So I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say overall, yeah, maybe maybe it's not the shows you like or follow or giving it to them, but I think the Sixers have a, a, a deserved pocket of media, you know, love this year. JJ, you you seen the love too? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with, with kind of a mix of both Janelle and Max here then I do think the Sixers are getting the media attention and the respect that they deserve. I mean, when you watch any of these shows, you know, first take, especially when they talk about the top teams in the NBA, the Sixers got a, a logo on that graphic and beat and beat player card is on that graphic. Like it's, they're not being ignored. They're not being overlooked um, as such. And a big part of that, I think is you get a coach like doc rivers on your squad. And this is what people expect. You talk about the respect. This is what people expect you to be. This was a roster that everyone knew was hella talented and hella loaded from top to bottom with multiple all-stars on it. And a guy in Tobias Harris with, you know, with the right coaching and right scheme can play like an all-star himself too. And a lot of people knew that they were kind of a coach away from pulling this whole thing together. And when you make a move and get a guy like Doc Rivers, you put a guy like Daryl Morey in your front office and you make these moves that the Sixers did, a lot of people gave him this attention preseason. Like, oh, you got a brand new coach and a, and a highly respected GM, and now you got Seth Curry and Danny Green and Dwight Howard to draft Tyrese Maxey. Everyone's like, the Sixers should be good. So this this attention and respect was given to the Sixers preseason, and now I think you're just seeing it plateau and level out because they haven't dropped the ball. So no, you're not seeing the, the imploring, the admiration that you're seeing from maybe like the Utah Jazz, but people didn't expect the Utah Jazz to be here. There's a different level of expectation when you're talking about the Utah Jazz. It's like a holy bleep. Look what the Utah Jazz are doing. <laughs> we need to talk about them every day because holy bleep, look at what they are. You're not, you're not, you're not shaking your head when you're looking at the Sixers number one in the prior ranking because you're like, this is what they should be doing. This is they have the potential to be this good. They should be better than a brand new Brooklyn Nets team. A Milwaukee team who's figuring it out. A Boston Celtics team who can't keep their star players healthy right now. They should be better and at the top of all these teams. And I think you're seeing the respect that they that they deserve. I think it would be going a little bit over the top and too much 
if people were drooling all over them and, and so surprised at where they were. Don't be shocked. And I think the Sixers are handling it perfectly. Like, we're not surprised we're up here. We're not surprised that Tobias is, is dropping 20 a game now. We're not surprised that our lineups are figured out. We knew what we were. And, and we're here, and y'all, y'all are seeing the benefits of it. You're seeing the results of, of getting a Hall of Fame coach, getting a very respected GM, and the piece is finally starting to gel. I, I think I think it's it's exactly where the Sixers should be in terms of national media attention. Ooh, so that's three yeses for a, a Philadelphia team getting respect <laughs> nationally. That's pretty rare I can say that one. But this one, it's a little more of a pressing topic, and I, I'm having a hard time answering this one myself. JJ, you you oh. have you have the uh, you get to answer this one first here. Right. Now, what was more impressive last week? Was it beating the reigning champion, the one that the team that Max thinks is still number one in the LA Lakers, or was it getting your first win without Joel Embiid coming back from absolutely nowhere against that pesky pesky Pacers team? I turned the game off at halftime. I thought they, I thought it was done and dusted. JJ, you have the floor. Let's hear what you think. Um, the sexier win, the more appealing win, the one that's going to probably get more national media attention is the win against the Lakers, and absolutely that it should. You go and beat a LeBron James and Anthony Davis-led team who had it on cruise control until then. Like they, they, weren't even, they were barely breaking sweat and winning games, getting 17, 18 from AD, 26 from LeBron, and we're winning games, man. We're, we're turning teams over. And LeBron had come into that game with a stretch of games where he dropped, I believe, what, 36 and, and 28 back-to-back or something like that. Like, he had very good games. It's on national TV. It's on ESPN. And Bede puts in a, a, an MVP. Is it impressive you do it without Joel Embiid? But, Josh, you mentioned it. You come back down 20 late in the third quarter. You get great production at the end of the game from guys like Matisse Thybul. You get an explosion from freaking Korkmaz, who – you know, it, it prompted us to, to make him the title of this show. That's how good of a performance he had yesterday down the stretch. I mean, hitting and one three yeah. and all that. I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? And more importantly, without Joel Embiid, look at the stat line Ben Simmons gives you, 26, yeah. 67. That's what you need. That's exactly, that's the first thing that I looked at. That's why you won the game. That's why you're able to stay the course and come back in it. You got a, a, an all-star level performance from your second best player without Joel Embiid. It's what we've been screaming for from Ben Simmons. That's what makes the Pacers game more impressive and a better win. Like if you look at the Sixers go on and do something, you know, do something great and have a, a great rest of the regular season. I think you look at games like the Indiana win more than you look at the Ooh. Lakers. This is an Indiana team that you're going to see more often. This isn't That's a team that comes to your house once. Like this is an Indiana team that. It, it, at some point, you may may face in the playoffs, and you're going to have to get over to win the Eastern Conference. I just think beating beating Indiana on the road, coming back without Joel Embiid, all in couple thing. That's a more impressive win right there. Now, Janelle, I mean, look, I, I I gotta say, I agree with JJ here. I know it sounds crazy. Are you are you going for it? Are you saying that Pacers win was more impressive? Or come on, it's the reigning champs. Um, yes, I definitely agree with JJ that the Pacers win was definitely more impressive because, like you said, they were before that game without Joel, they were like 0 and 4. Um, so that definitely was more impressive. I really liked how Ben played that game, um, because without Joel, he hasn't looked that great. And I think that when Joel is not on the floor, that's his time to kind of 
move up and become that top player on the team. I mean, he hasn't done that until the Pacers game. So I definitely think that was the best win. The Lakers win, of course, was a good win. But I think personally, history shows that the Sixers kind of play good against them, especially JoJo versus AD. He kind of kills them every time he plays them. So that win, I mean, was a good win. But the Pacers win was definitely coming from behind. And then that zone defense that they um, did in, the, in that second half, that kind of led the comeback. Uh, that was great uh, having Thibault and Ben at the top of that defense. And um, that that was definitely a great win. And then Furk Lee in the comeback um, with his shooting down a stretch. Um, that was that was definitely the more impressive win versus the Pacers because Embiid is going to miss games. Um, he's that back issue. I don't think is anything that's just going to go away. I think that he will miss some games. So we're going to need players to step up um, when he's out to allow him to miss that time when he needs to. So I definitely think that was the more impressive win. Maximilian, are we going four for four on this one here? Are you, so, someone's got to pick the win against the reigning champs. <laughs> um, I, I can't go that far. I can't do it straight up, but I, I will give you this. I think these two wins work in conjunction with each other. I think they yeah. both showed two pretty important things to this team, right? You beat the Lakers in prime time. You know, even even you know, two you know more than two thirds, probably eighty percent of that game, eight percent of that game, I'd say they control that game comfortably, right? Towards the end of the fourth quarter, got a little bit dicey, but that game shows that team that they are championship caliber, right? You beat the best team in the league, who is the current defending champions. Those two things are not mutually exclusive to each other, right? That is an impressive win, and then a couple days later to turn around and finally get that monkey off your back. And on top of that, doing that in an absolutely massive comeback. If this was a win without Embiid, where you know it's, it's back and forth, or maybe you're you know you're down five, up five, you know throughout the game, that's one thing. Being able to win a game without Embiid, where you're down twenty and all hope seems lost, because I'm I'm with you, Josh. I didn't turn it off at halftime. I saw I, I I was watching throughout the first half, you know, intermittently. It didn't really do enough for me to to pay full attention to it in the, in the third quarter paying attention on the phone. I look at the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth, whenever they're down 20, and I think that game is totally chalked. And then I look again with 19 seconds to go, and they're up three. So, you know, hand up. I was surprised. I didn't see it coming. So I think that win shows them that they are a deep team as well, right? You don't need to be deep to win a title, but there's 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 something that goes into reaffirming a positive belief about something, whether it's your sports team or if it's something in your personal life, just getting – Getting some kind of visual proof or confirmation can do a lot in terms of of building, you know, building that 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 greater mentality that hey, we can do something here because we've seen us do things that, that regular teams can't. So Max, what which one was it? Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not picking, I'm not picking one straight up. Uh, they're the they're, they're peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> they're two two slices of bread of the same sandwich. All right. All right, I'll, I'll before we move on. Before we move on, Janelle made a very good point. Max, you kind of alluded to it too. I think both of these games a little bit, um, you know, showed the the coaching improvement, the that you know the the coaching prowess that Doc Rivers had. Put a pin in that. Put a pin in it. That's the next question. Oh, JJ. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. My <laughs> question, JJ. All right, all right. So on that topic. This season, that I like that Pacers game, I like that Lakers game. I've been finding myself saying they always lose this game. I keep saying mm -hmm. it. So, how much credit are you giving to Glenn to the Doc 
Doc Rivers, for the Sixers' improved play this year, JJ, I mean, you were already going, so why don't you just start us off? Yeah, I'm going to hit the rewind button real quick. Right back to the beginning of my point, because I think both of those games showed it. Both, of, I mean, to go tit for tat with the defending champs and, and ward off a late comeback by them, I mean, there's some in-game adjustments that have to happen. There's there's some coaching that has to go on in that huddle to let them know that what you're what you're about to lose and how do we not lose it? How do we how do we get that back to turn a gear and Ben Simmons late in that Lakers game to, to get him to finish out the game strong? What 12 fourth quarter points for Ben Simmons? That's, that's what we need to see. That's what so, we need to see. So wait, you're telling me that there's a difference between Brett Brown and Glenn Rivers? Uh, as shocking as it is to hear. <laughs> I don't know if anyone y'all know that, but Doc Rivers is a better coach than Brett Brown. I don't know if anyone really knows that, <laughs> but you but you saw it. But more importantly, I think you saw it in the Indiana Pacers game. And Janelle, you said it perfectly last segment or last question. That three-two zone that goes out. You don't see zones many times in the NBA. It takes a little bit of you know what I mean. It takes a little bit of cojones down there to throw out a zone in the NBA because teams don't practice against it. But as a team, you don't practice it much. It's a man-to-man lead. So to throw it out as, as a way to, to help your team get back into a game, get back into a 20-point deficit, is a huge adjustment to make in-game and to, and to coach your team to execute it is even more. Without your best player, all this without your glue guy. Like that, that shows the level of coaching that Doc Rivers has, has brought to this team. And you, you have, we've talked about it multiple times on this show. The amount of times we've pointed out in the Sixers where last year they lose that game, right? We talk about it yeah. so many times. At least once a week. At least once At a week. week. They, beat, they beat the Celtics and then go and beat the Pistons on the road. We talked about last week how last year they lose that Pistons game. After after such a dramatic, emotional win against the Celtics, they lose that game. And we talked about it again this week where they, they go out and, and come back against the Pacers. Last year – they lose that game. Y'all turned it off at halftime because you're like, I know what happens now. <laughs> I've seen that story before. I have. Even this I'm, year. Not, even this I'm year. walking out the theater now. I'm walking out the theater this this movie because I know okay. how this one ends. And then y'all yeah. got to the parking lot and y'all ho- heard a roar of the crowd inside the theater because you're like, whoa, what happens? Like the Miami Heat fan uh, coming back. Coming back to Spurs there. That's coaching right there. That's coaching. I don't want to just play of the players, but that's coaching right there. Knowing who needs to be in the game now to help us win is is coaching. Doc Doc gets so much of the credit for these two wins. Has to. JJ, JJ, you started us off pretty good there, but as good as you can. So I'm going to make it a little bit harder for Janelle here. (laughs) I didn't ask JJ for a number, but I'm going to go one to 10, Janelle, and then back it up. How much of the Sixers' success do you attribute to Doc? One to 10. One to ten. Um, I would give it like an eight or a nine. Um, I've been one who wanted Brent Brown going like four seasons ago, like three, four seasons ago. Um, I knew coming when he decided to come here that Tobias was going to have a great season mm-hmm. because um, he had one of his best seasons with him when he was with the Clippers before he came to the Sixers. And even when you just watch the games and like even out of timeouts and like they're running plays, like you're just like, what is this? like they're, they're running great like plays, like out of timeouts, like this is new. Like I've never seen this before, but yes, it, it definitely is a big, a huge difference. I think one of the things that some of the players spoke on last year was accountability. That was something that, something that they were missing. 
And I knew once Doc came that that was definitely something that he was going to bring this year and that that was going to be, um, that wouldn't be an issue. Um, so I think that he is definitely a, a, a big reason and a big cause for um, their their success this year. Because like you, like JJ said, if that was last year and that Pistons game and it was down by 20, I probably wouldn't have had turned the game back on because I would have been like, Listen, it's it's just a totally different team under Doc. He brings so much leadership. Um, he just brings that culture, winning culture with him. Um, so I'm I'm very excited that he is the coach of, the, of this team. A lot of young guys, and I think that they will definitely follow his lead. So um, I would say, like I said, about an eight or a nine. About an eight or a nine. I'm going to put you down as an 8.5 on the books. <laughs> and we got Ellison E.J. James making a comment here saying facts. They're a different team. Now, before I come to you, Max, I got I to address that comment and just think, well, they are a different team because of coaching, but they're also a very different team just the roster-wise, just thanks to Daryl Morey. So now, Max, I'm going to give you the same question. Are you going over or under 8.5 for Janelle? Um, I would say probably a little bit under, just to an eight, like an 8, probably, just because I, I, I think that that between, you know, Embiid has stepped up to to probably his best year that he's ever played, right? Seth Curry is more than we thought he would be. Tobias is more than he thought he would be. So the players are doing their their fair share of holding up their end of the bargain. But I think that we have to at least allocate an extra half point in there somewhere for for Daryl Morey and, and the way that he's been able to construct this roster. And, and it's crazy because, you know, for the last handful of years, the Sixers have done the roster shuffle every year. And me personally – I am all about, especially in basketball, I think basketball is, is maybe one of the more important sports for team chemistry. That's why you see teams like the Warriors when their dynasty started. It seemed like they only got better every year, right? Like they were really good in 2015 when they broke onto the scene, but it felt like they only got better every year because that same core group of players played with each other every year. So that's always been one of my biggest gripes with the Sixers is that if every year you're changing half of your core rotation, even if Embiid and Simmons stay the same, you know, there's a lot, a lot of growing pain that go, goes into that. So this year was no different. That's why, I, you know, going back to the summer, I said, I, I don't know if they'll start off too strong, but I know that they'll be good by the end of the year because they'll have good players and a good coach. Thankfully, we didn't have to wait for them to start off slow and figure things out because, you know, they came in and, and things gelled from coach to players to bench to GM. And, and I think that, you know, that's an organizational success. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of busting Janelle's deer by going to eight, but I just think we need to give a little bit more of a shout out to the, the uh, you know, the roster construction, which was really a huge reason this team's so successful. I'm going to 9.5. You, <laughs> you want to save that half point for Daryl Morey? Absolutely. Here, here's a little tiny sliver of the cake for Daryl Morey. Good job for going into getting our supporting pieces that we need. But you, both of you just talked about it. Joel Embiid having his best, having his best season ever. Tobias Harris having his best season since when? Oh, the last time he played for Doc Rivers. Ben Simmons stepping up his play as of late. Frickin' Corkmaz coming off the bench and winning you games. You Just know, like last year, never forget at Portland. All can never forget at Portland. <laughs> One, and he had a thirty-point game that night. I'll, I'll give him that. But but this oh, is these, these, are things, these are all things that point to coaching, that that point to the leader of your team making it explicitly known. This is how we're going to execute our game plan and putting guys in a position to do that. Like yes, it's a brand new roster. Y'all got these good players. But just because you got the ingredients doesn't mean someone knows how to cook the meal. So you can wow. give Doc Rivers all these great players, all these good role pieces, 
But he's got to put them in at the right time, put the scheme in that fits them, put them in the right position, and then tell all of them while you're in this position, that's our best player. Number 21, that seven-foot Cambodian, that's our best player. Our offense is going to run as such. Cameroon, sorry, not Cambodia, Cameroon. But that's, that's I was going to let you finish. Don't worry, you'll <laughs> that, That's our best player. And I, and I think you're, you're seeing just the culmination of all of that, the, the, the Doc Rivers scheme and Doc Rivers culture and coaching, that, that's what's leading to this jump in the Sixers. And yeah, Derrick Roy gets, a, gets a, a good clap for doing what a GM does. Thank you for identifying what we needed and bringing in the pieces. But Doc, Doc is the one putting these puzzle pieces together and making a beautiful picture. Nobody else. No, yeah, I got I to gotta put myself on blast a little bit because I love Brett Brown. I really love Brett Brown when he was here. And, and Janelle, I'm sorry. Like, clearly time <laughs> had told the truth. But, but to just play a little devil's advocate for myself, that Brett Brown did not have quite the teams to work with. And Glenn, you're a, you're a big man for, for admitting that. I, I had, <laughs> man. I had a rug and rocked out, and you're a big man for admitting that. I had to pay my penance, but at the end of the day, I think it was just that, that silver fox scruffy hat. I, 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 I bought into that a little too hard, but I digress. That's going to wrap up the main event. And we've got two rapid fires today. There was a lot of things that happened in the Philly sports world outside of the Sixers. So we got a Philly rapid fire. And then, oof, JJ, we got a Super Bowl rapid fire. But, hey, we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> first things first, keeping it local here. Going to go back to last Wednesday. We did all agree that that Pacers game was more impressive. Well, someone was on the fence. But that Lakers game, woof, is that a game? One play stuck out more than any other play, aside from that Toby shot at the end and Janelle. I'm going to come to you because you pointed it out first and foremost. Is LeBron James a dirty player? Was that two hands on our guy, JoJo? Was that a dirty play, Janelle? No, LeBron is not a dirty player. He He's not a dirty player at all. Um, was oh, that a dirty play? A dirty play? Um, I'm kind well, of on the fence about it. Come on, man. But I mean, he definitely did, definitely did push him midair. He did not go for the ball at all. Um, if that play would have happened to him, the person would have got kicked out the game. Yep, um, that's true. So I mean, it definitely was a bad play. Um, I think he just didn't want to get dunked on, um, and that he knew Embiid was killing him all game. So I mean, he wanted to do that 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 foul, that hard foul. Then he looked at him. When he was on the floor afterwards, like, yeah, like, I like, so he's not a dirty player, but that was a bad play. And like I said, if somebody else would have pushed, if somebody, anybody would have pushed him, they would have been kicked out the game. So, all right, all right, Maximilian, dirty play. Uh, honestly, I really don't have, I don't have anything else to add. I was even gonna, that was my only extra example for the, you know, yes. Dirty play, not a dirty player. If the if you know the script was flipped, then yeah, Embiid probably is maybe not Embiid because Embiid's a superstar too. But most guys doing that to LeBron probably do get kicked out. So yeah, JJ, you seem you seemed you couldn't believe what you're hearing. Uh, what, what what's your take on this? <laughs> Come on, dude, that's an objectively dirty play, dude. I'm not no, going to no, sit no, here no, and no, call no, it no, a dirty no, player. Maxwell, you had all the time in the world to to, to explain your point, and you passed it off. <laughs> you had all the time in the world. To explain your point, you pass it off. LeBron James, LeBron, has he ever has he ever done a dirty act and been a dirty player? It's 18 years in the league, y'all. 
This is not LeBron and that's that's inertia on inertia. And I disagree. If you look at it, I disagree that LeBron looked at him on the floor because like a, yeah, that's what you get. I think he looked at him because he looked at Joel and said, you're doing all that for what? I think he looked at Joel and, and saying, you know how hard I pushed you. I might have pushed you. LeBron don't want to get dunked on. We all know that. He's going to push him. He looked at Joel like, come on, man. I didn't push you that hard. Hey, I didn't hey. push you like that for you to be flopping on the floor and, and fall on your back and hurt yourself. I didn't he push had to, you. He had to sell it. LeBron does that too. LeBron does the same thing. Yeah, fair point. But so does Joel Embiid. We all yeah, know it. it's not, it is, it is not, it's not a surprising thing. It's not unbeknownst to anyone that Joel Embiid likes to sell fouls. So it's so easy to say if the script was reversed, that person would be kicked out of the game. LeBron, I've seen LeBron's neck get wrapped up by people on fast break. Does that person get kicked out? That person didn't get kicked out. No, he didn't get kicked out. If anything, it was a common foul because LeBron didn't go to the floor because LeBron didn't fly all over the place because LeBron is one of the strongest people we have in the NBA. So it's hard Ooh. to get him down. Hands. Two hands, JJ. Two hands. I mean, two hands my thing is. Two hands. My he thing is. He stopped. Go ahead, Janelle. Go ahead, he, he didn't make no play for the ball, so he knew what mm -hmm. he was doing. He stopped and beats momentum. You, Janelle, Janelle, you're right. He didn't want to get dunked on. So he, he stopped. He stopped Joel from dunking on him. He didn't push my hands to the floor. That's a seven foot, 240 yeah. pound player. It takes a uh, lot, a lot more than just this to put him to the floor. All right. All right. Well, we've. Not we, got, we got JJ. Yeah. We clearly got JJ worked up. Hey, look, it's a lot to label someone a dirty player. Don't put that. No, he's, he's, he's not a dirty player. player. All, 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 all the same, like exact that. opposite. Every he's single one the exact player. opposite. That he's not a dirty player, but it's objectively a dirty play to two hand someone in the air. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I gotta say, was it the most dirty play? Was it the most violent play on LeBron's part? 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 No, but. You got a big man up in the air like that. LeBron clearly didn't want to get dunked on. Janelle, you said it. He did not make a play on the ball game. A little two-hander. I think it was a dirty play. But let's move on from that. 76ers, it's been a bit of a talking point for, for a few folks. I've heard a few people mention it. Not here. They have not had the toughest schedule in the NBA. Now, of course, they beat the Lakers at full strength. Some of these games they lost, we've talked about that Nets loss. Lost to the Nets without all of their stars. No Tatum in that Celtics game. No Jimmy Butler in those two Heat games. So does the Sixers schedule this year make you feel a little bit cautious when you talk about the Sixers or cautious with some of your expectations? And let, let me go with Max because I think I think it has a little bit. You thought wrong, buddy. No, I'm not. Ooh. I'm not. I'm not worried. What I've, seen, what, I, what I've seen from the Sixers translates to whoever they're playing against. That's not a matter. Of, of them exploiting bad teams or or abusing one guy who's playing 35 plus minutes because of COVID hitting his team. But I've seen the Sixers do translates against anyone, whether it's the Tatum with Celtics or if it's the Lakers at full strength or if it's, you know, seven Sixers versus the Nuggets on a Saturday afternoon. Janelle, are you, are you pumping the brakes when you're looking at the inactives or are you with Max here? No, I definitely agree. Um, I don't think that the teams they've played or the schedule has wavered me whatsoever. Um, I, I think that they've been looking great versus these teams. Um, like you said, they've like you said, they play good versus the teams 
um, when they have been full strength. Of course, you're not playing the Celtics without uh, Tatum, but the Celtics are still a good team even without Tatum. So I think that they that schedule has not wavered my uh, belief in them whatsoever. All right, still the NBA. Anyone can win on any night. JJ, any waivers? This this not the NFL, Josh. It's not in any given Sunday league. And the Wizards just keep the Nets. I, I I started I started the show by saying the Sixers are number one in the power rankings, and I still believe that. But if no, you look no at change it, in opinion in the last 30 I'm, I'm not changing my opinion. Here you go. <laughs> you see what he does? He loved his update by trying to turn my take before he even gets there. I'm not changing my take at all. But I am saying there's still a little bit on the table, still a little bit of meat on the bones to be had for the Sixers team. You can still improve. And I think, you, I think they'd be the first ones to tell you that there's some games that they've left out of the win column even in this early part of the season. Should have taken care of the Wizards. Should have taken care of the Cavs. Should have taken care of the Nets without all their stars. Like there, there's, there's still some games they dropped one to the Pistons that they shouldn't have. There's, there's, there's still a couple of these games that they should have won, that they should have taken care of. Um, so while you know it doesn't move the needle so much, in my opinion, that we should be cautious when all these teams come to full strength. There's some meat on the bones there, and there's. It's not like you know they've been perfect. It's not like there's nothing to to, to look at. And if you're a Sixers fan or someone in the Sixers organization, I should, you know, it's a little bit encouraging that we played well. We played very well, but we still haven't played our best ball yet. You shouldn't be 25% of the season and play your 100% best ball. It always downhill from there. So the fact that there's still some to be gained should be a little bit of uh, encouragement to the Sixers. All right, I'm a little bit surprised that uh, we didn't go. That you guys were a little more cautious, JJ. I don't know if there's a rocket ship going on in, in in your in your screen or not. So I'm getting a little. It's a crazy sound somewhere. That's but anyway, that's not on me. I anyway. hear it too. I hear it too. We'll fight through the rocket ship that's uh, seemingly blasting off in the tri-state area at someone's house, and we'll move on to the next question. Now, I know you're mainly a Sixers girl, but we're going to – I hope you can stay with us. We're talking on Eagles here. We're talking a little Phillies question and then the Super Bowl. Now, you know it had to get talked about, Nick Sirianni and the introductory press conference. <laughs> did that introductory pr- – did, did it did, – did Nick Sirianni's introductory <laughs> press conference have an effect on your opinion of him? And if so, yeah, you can't you can't do that when we're online, man. <laughs> I know. I thought you were freezing. I thought you were freezing out. <laughs> I was giving you my best Nick series, my best Nicky Six uh, impression right there. So did that did that give, have an effect on on your opinion of him? And if so, how big? <laughs> um. So, uh, uh, fun fact: I'm actually not an Eagles fan. Ooh. Um. I am a Denver Broncos fan. So, um, but to, to, to answer this right, question. You can roast them. If you're not, don't be diplomatic about it. Go for it. Um, I actually was a little confused about this hire. Um, just because I thought they would have picked someone that had a little more coaching experience, I guess. Um, but the, the, the press conference was, Definitely uh, hilarious. Um, 
I, I don't know what to expect from the Eagles coaching this year. It's going to be very interesting, um, especially with their quarterback uh, issue, whether they're going to do Hurts or Wentz. Um, but the press conference definitely showed, I think, an experience. Um, like I said, I was definitely surprised when they hired him. Um, I thought that they would have went a different way, but um, it was definitely definitely a funny press conference. Um but yeah, I Eagles, yeah, I don't know what to say about them. <laughs> funny. funny is not the word that I, as an Eagles fan, would be using to describe that press conference. And before, yeah. before I am not, before I get to JJ, I'd like to hear an Eagles fan's opinion about it. No, let JJ go. Let JJ go. I got, <laughs> I got, I got, I got, some, I got something on my sleeve. Don't worry. I insist you try to lay out the carpet of, of, of underplaying how bad it was and how we should leave the man alone. I insist. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Next, I'll let you, I'm going to let you go first. You don't have to say much. You'll get a rebuttal after JJ, but just first thoughts. Oh, all right. I got, I got more of a, a bring it home on a positive note kind of point. So I don't, I don't really want JJ to, to shit, to shit on it, but here we go anyway, since I've been called upon and you know, that's how it works. Um, obviously it was a train wreck. I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. It was bad. It gave everybody a good laugh. I'm glad I'm glad that everyone found a little bit of joy, including some resident Broncos and Buccaneers fans. <laughs> With that being said, the only coach in Philadelphia Eagles history to win a Super Bowl also started off his coaching tenure with an absolute bomb of a press conference. So that's going on to here that this has such a mirror of the last one that we hired a guy that probably didn't deserve it, who came from an offense that was perpetually underachieving and finished somewhere between 8 and 12. And um, you know what? I had doubts about Doug Peterson. Look how that turned out. So you know what? Nick Sirianni, you stutter your way through every goddamn press conference in your first year, brother. Eagles 2023 champs. That's what's written on the walls. I love it. I love it. All right. This is why I wanted to go last. Now JJ's like, he was serious, and I need to dissect that right now. That's why I wanted to go last. I'm going to try to bottle up that positivity and listen to what JJ has to say right now. JJ, go ahead. Max, sometimes I love you, brother. You know I do. Got much love for you, man. Sometimes I can't stand you. Sometimes I really can't. <laughs> because I'm so tired of hearing the point. Doug Peterson's first press conference was bad, too, and he won a Super Bowl. Was Doug Peterson the main reason of that Super Bowl? Hey. I don't know. And anyway, uh, you don't know. Now you don't know. Now you don't know. I can say, yeah. Main reason for that Super Bowl. And when he lost his two supporting cast, his two his two co-captains, and Frank Wright and John D. Filippo, this ship started going downhill fast. And to the point this year, you're talking about, look how that ended up. Max, look at how that ended up. Where's Doug Peterson now? I'm totally cool with going through all this again in a couple of years if we want to. Okay. If you're, if you're okay with it. then I am too then fine, because the last year of Doug Peterson not only has looked bad in the locker room, it's looked even worse in press conferences. And part of coaching in the NFL, it is not a surprise, is you have to be able to hand your, handle yourself when the media is asking you questions, when it's time to address the media. So let's stop saying that that first interviews don't matter, that first press conferences don't matter. They matter. People get hired and fired off interviews. They absolutely matter. And you just came from a season with a whole lot of question marks and red flags from your head coaching position. And so the first impression of your new head coach, you want to be a red flag? He's not, he's not the best public speaker. 
So, so it's okay. He might be a little bit nervous. I'm sorry, but I'd rather my head coach not be nervous while talking to a bunch of people. You're supposed to sit here and tell me why we need to trust you, why we need to move forward with you as our leader. And you're nervous in telling me that. And even more, Max Coolidge, he had what he wanted to say written down. This isn't an off the cuff. He had note cards in front of him and was too nervous to read his own damn note cards. This, and we're okay with that? This is something that you prepare for for an entire week. The, the Eagles set the exact date and time of this press conference. He knew exactly when he was going to talk and knew exactly what he was going to talk All about. Right. and couldn't All get right. it. I call him Nikki No Words. Nikki No Words. Woo! So, so if you're okay with it as an Eagles fan, then man, be okay with it. But admit to yourself that you saw red flags and you're just choosing to ignore it for now. I get that this isn't an, an indication of whether he's going to be a good football coach or not, that you sought to see him coach a football game to see that. But don't sit here and say that he didn't get off to the wrong foot because he absolutely got off on the wrong foot. I, I need after a, a year that, that put a lot of doubt and a lot of not confidence in the minds of Eagles fans, I need my coach to now come forward and give me that confidence back and this didn't do it. So that's a bad thing. If you want to ignore the red flag, Max, ignore the red flag. If you want to just I mean, I don't know what you're preaching to the choir, man. I told you on here for weeks running. I told you here computer screen to computer screen that I hated the hire. I think that the reaching of the stars. And quite frankly, I have no reason to give them the benefit of the doubt for this hire. I don't. And I'm going to have as much fun with this as I can because in my mind, I am deathly afraid of the Eagles putting themselves in perpetual mediocrity with this hire, trying to chase yeah. that dragon. Like I told you, I'm not going to go back here. If, if anybody wants to read my thoughts, I guess it was last week or the week before, go back. I stand by every word that I said there. I think that this is the Eagles front office reaching for, for the stars with this hire. And you know what, quite frankly, I have, I have no reason to be excited for this. Honestly, I think, you know, I might get a little bit chastised for this take. I think that Frank Reich's value to that Super Bowl was vastly overblown because he's shown that as a coach, as a guy who's in charge of making decisions on the fly on the football field, that he is not at Doug Peterson's level. Maybe he's a better offensive mind in terms of scheming and drawing up offensive plays. But when it comes to handling what goes on in those 60 minutes between the games, he does a bad job. Maybe not a bad job. Maybe not a bad job. That's maybe too far. But but Frank Reich has shown that he has, you know, he's not a perfect coach. And I think that this city just lasts as the reason that we were successful. And it's clearly, that clearly was a great group that they had there. I don't think anyone was the one individual who's solely responsible for that Super Bowl win. And I, I honestly, I, I've been wanting to say this for a while. I, I wanted to get this off my chest with the Sirianni thing last week. And quite frankly, it's ridiculous how everybody just clings to this notion that Frank Reich was the Lord and savior of that Eagles team. It, it wasn't the Lord and savior of the Eagles team, but I do think he was the last missing piece to a very good Carson Wentz. And I think that's what people point to. And this was the next. I, I, think, I think that's what he is, but I think that's gotten right. lost in translation big time because now we're so far down the rabbit hole. Frank Reich is the reason the Eagles. Ever since Frank Reich left, the Eagles started getting worse. That might be true, but that thing does that doesn't make those you know that does not make that the the direct cause. Of and, I, and I agree with you, and I agree with you. But this Nick Sirianni hire was because he was under Frank Reich, who was the last missing piece to Carson Wentz, and it was clear that when they hired him. The Eagles wanted Carson Wentz to be the, the starter again and to be 2017 Carson Wentz. So I need a whole lot of confidence that you could do that. 
And if you're up there today in junior, then that doesn't give me confidence. You're not even confident in yourself right now. You're at a spot that you don't belong. Look like that you belong. Like, look like that you could stand in front right. of 53. Take, take, take your irrefutable point and we're moving on. What am I going to say? No, he didn't stutter through his press conference. So his press conference wasn't a train wreck. Uh, you know, you, you congrats. You got me on this one, dude. My head coach is a bumbling idiot in front of the media. That's the truth. <laughs> hey, hey, believe it or not, what you saying, man? this is a rapid fire question. It was, uh, it was a pretty, it didn't have a lot to unpack there. Uh, my, my final thoughts on this would be, uh, JJ, you're right. He's Nicky No Words, but for now, I look at him as Nicky No Losses, too, because there's been no football games played, and I, I got to no see a game. Nicky No Wins, either. I got to see a game be played. Real quickly, one final Phillies, uh, big week for the Phillies. They signed JT. They signed DD. How Yay. do you guys feel about that so far, though? How are we feeling? Uh, but, Janelle, are you a Phillies fan or, or not? Yeah. One either? I'm a Phillies fan. All right, all right. At least that. So, what are, Max, after you, you know, you had a tough – J.J. really was letting you have it there. Are you feeling any better here or more of the same negativity? I mean, it, it's it's good. I'm, I'm glad they brought Didi back. I thought he was certainly a bright spot for the Phillies last year. But I'm not going to go through the roof for them doing the bare minimum. It's taken – Almost, it's taken almost a year longer than it should have. So, quite frankly, I'm over this. I'm just glad that it's done. But I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give out golden stars for submitting your assignment 15 minutes after it's due and saying, you know, your dog chewed your internet wire out or something. Right. Yeah. JJ, how are we feeling? Um, I, I'm, I'm feeling like we're on the right track about the Phillies. Like, obviously, I want way more to be done. And Max, you hit it on the head. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give you a gold star for doing what you should have done. Um, it is encouraging to see them bring back Didi. I thought he was gone. The Yankees were buying in for him to bring him back. A bunch of other teams were buying to bring him back. Um, and then, and the Phillies got a two-year deal done, not another one-year rental. Um, so it looks like they're trying to still, you know, construct a good roster. And you know, you bring back JT, which Max, you were right again, took him about a year too long. But hey, they did it. Um, so I want the Phillies to do a lot more. That bullpen. Absolutely still needs to be addressed. Got a good left-handed arm in there, but it still needs to be addressed. Um, so until it does that, uh, you know, they don't get they, – they, they get the standing karate teacher stern head nod. You did what you're supposed to do, but don't expect a smile until I see you go above and beyond. Job's not done yet. Janelle, you give them the stern head nod? Are you disappointed or, or feel real good? No, def definitely giving them the, the stare in the head nod. Um, I think, like they said, it's, you know, that signing was overdue, but it's still more work that needs to be done. So I'm looking forward to what they're going to do next. I think this was a great step. This was encouraging. But like like they said, uh, that, that bullpen needs some work. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what they're going to do there. But, you know, it was definitely something that needed to be done and that should have been done. So it's it's definitely... I'm encouraging, but I'm looking forward to what's going to come next. No, me, me too. I think, uh, I think those were the first two moves. Archie Bradley was huge. I am, I'm just, I'm a little disappointed. I think a lot more needs to happen. I mean, those are the right moves, but moving on, that's going to wrap up the Philly portion of this episode. <laughs> it's Super Bowl Monday, folks. We got, we got a Super Bowl in six days. I know James Jackson knows about it. And, JJ, you're going to get the floor later. Not quite yet. You're going to get the floor for your tap out, all right? Fiction for it. But for now, we're just going to go real quick. No, forget about point spreads. 
Who cares? Forget about over-unders. None of that. We're talking W's and L's. This is the big game. And I want to hear what our special guest has to say. Janelle, I know you're a Broncos fan. It's okay. Not, not a team <laughs> for either of us. But we can just sit back and enjoy this without any nerves. Who are you picking to win this game? Um, so I am picking the Bucks. Oh. Let's go, Janelle. Let's um, go. <laughs> I'm picking the Bucks. Uh, I think that um, Tom Brady. Uh, I think that he kind of shut a lot of people up this year. Um, I think that a lot of people kind of wrote him off last year, um, and not really looking at what he was playing with. Like he didn't have. He wasn't throwing to nobody great. Like he didn't have no nobody to throw to, no receivers. Um, the running game wasn't that great. So I knew that coming to the Bucks, he had weapons. Um, he got Mike Evans, he got Gronk to come back, um, he got Antonio Brown, and he got them to sign him, got him living with him so he wouldn't get no trouble. Um, got good ones, like he has the weapons. Um, so I think that he has proved a lot. And I think that he also has proved that it wasn't just a Belichick thing and a Patriots way thing. He had a lot to do with those Patriots wins. I think that a lot of people thought it was just Belichick is the coach. So it was like the Belichick way kind of, but in him separating from Belichick, he wouldn't be that great. But um, I kind of like that he was able to shut everybody up. So I am rooting for him. Um, and then I kind of heard a narrative. I heard a commentator say, I can't remember who it was, but it was like, if Patrick Mahomes wins this Super Bowl, then he would be the GOAT. Like, oh, come on. Up in the felt quarterbacks. And I'm like, come on now. You can't, quite you can't say that. Yeah, nah. and, so, and I didn't. No. Nah. So I, 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 I want the Bucs to win. Oh, so, you're, so you're picking the Bucs, you're rooting for the Bucs. And I didn't, I didn't ask you this at first. But who would if you gotta pick an X factor in this game? One one X factor. Um, I would say it's gonna be that the Bucks defense. Um, I think it's gonna be that defense because I don't think either defense will really be able to stop the offense. So I think that it'll be the one one defense who can make plays. So that secondary for the Bucks, I think that they're gonna be the X factor in his games. I mean, they gotta stop the the Chiefs has some fast wide receivers. You got Tyreek Hill. Um, you got, uh, I believe, Hartman, Robinson. I don't know if he's going to play because he might—he's on the COVID list, so I don't know what's going to happen with that. Then you got Kelsey, so it's definitely going. I think that if the Bucks defense can make some plays, um, have them go three and out a few times, maybe get some turnovers, that they'll definitely win this game. So Ooh. I think it'll be that the Bucks defense will be the X factor. All right, bold picking against Patty Mahomes. And, and look, I, we know we know who JJ's picking, so I'm going to Max and letting JJ go last. Maximilian, give me your Super Bowl winner and the X Factor. Oh, man. After, after much debate, and I don't want to do this because it'll mean that all four of us might be picking the Buccaneers is what it might mean. if I. But the Kansas City offensive line is in shambles right Shamble. now. And I can't in good conscience knowing that – Bucks defense has dominated the run all season, knowing that they might just be able to tee off freely rushing the passer for over 70 plus percent of this game. Patrick Mahomes or not, that's a tough, tough game to win. So I think 
I think that I can't be a sucker and take the Chiefs, so I'm gonna take the Bucks. <laughs> don't call him a sucker. So, and... I don't want to make you superstitious. It's I, I don't want it to be the everyone on the Monday Night Football panel picks the home favorite <laughs> and the underdog ends up ends up winning deal. So I, I almost picked Chiefs just to do that for you. So don't blame okay, me. Just know that I was thinking about. No, I was no, thinking no, about no. you. Max, and, and is is that is that offensive line your X factor then in this one? Yeah, I'm going to say the Chiefs. The Chiefs' O line has to be the X factor. They are playing guys out of position. They are playing guys who have little to no NFL experience, and they're starting them. This is not the depth guys. If things continue to get worse, like their left tackle is a, is a center, and their new center is a is a career backup who's. Uh, not the guy you want starting at center in the Super Bowl and his probably first career start at center. So I think that I think that everybody's just going to be so bored. Like, hey, remember when the Chiefs played last time and the Chiefs just totally destroyed him in the first half? I want to take the Chiefs. This team that we're going to see because that offensive line might not be able to. So I actually want to change it. I want to change my X factor to Clyde Edwards Hilaire because if the oh. Chiefs want to be able to negate the all-out pass rush frenzy. They're going to need to be able to run the ball, and he's their best shot. <laughs> Alternatively, they might need him to block. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about nobody's run game. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not worried about no one's run game. That's exactly right. why he's the X-Factor, because you guys haven't had to worry about the run all year. What if this is a game where everybody the Chiefs that throw every down the and they actually have a successful running game? There you go. There's a difference between not worrying about the run and shutting down the run. We shut down the run. Not down, not, not worry about it. All right, JJ. <laughs> JJ, tell me why the Bucs are winning the Super Bowl on Sunday. The Bucs the Bucks are winning the Super Bowl. This guy's not arguing against me. You hear this? I don't, I don't, because you gotta, because you gotta, don't get me off my train of thought. You got to get your points right. Don't get, you don't asked me for my X Factor. I changed it. This is, anyway, anyway, my X Factor, like, don't, don't try to think too hard about this. The X Factor is Tom Brady. That's the X Factor. Absolutely. And, if, and I look at it from this standpoint. He's played the Kansas City Chiefs already this season. Now, I know a lot of what went wrong wasn't him. Tyreek Hill had 200 yards receiving in the first quarter. That's not Tom Brady. But Tom Brady also didn't, didn't throw a touchdown pass till the third quarter of that game. That was a, that was a real ugly game look, looking at that. So adjustments is what I'm looking at, especially from the offensive end. This is a Chiefs defense that has picked up a little bit of steam, played very well against the Bills after going down 9-0 a shutout afterwards so was was very good and and stopping the bills stopping the bills um attack after that um had a very good showing against the browns too got got you know a couple turnovers against baker mayfield so that defense has been playing well and if i'm looking at one person to make adjustments from from a game to game basis why look anywhere else but the man who's been doing it greater than anybody else for the past two decades and that's tom brady you're going to talk about you know, this isn't the same game match. You're absolutely right because it's going to look a lot different from the Buccaneers' standpoint. We we came out and through through that part of the season, we're throwing the ball a lot. I believe Tom Brady threw it plus 40 times that game, a lot of it because he was behind and had to. There's no way. There's no way you had to try. But, but coming into this game, especially the last two, we've leaned on our running game so heavily and for good reason. Playoff Lenny has been rearing his head. And that's a person that the Kansas City Chiefs have to deal with. But I don't think that's just because of Bruce Arians or Byron Leftwich. I think that's Tom Brady looking at it as, hey, our run game has to set up our passing game. And then we can take these shots deep down the field when it starts to open up. 
So picking his spots of when he's going to go deep, a la the Scotty Miller play at the end of the first half of the of the NFC Championship game, and overall adjustments. That's Tom Brady, baby. That's the GOAT. That's the X factor. If he plays well, controls the clock, controls the game, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, the Buccaneers win this game. He's not right. the only X factor, but off the top of my head, look, we don't got to think too much about this, man. If the GOAT does GOAT things, the Bucs take home Super Bowl 55. Hey, hey, JJ, I mean, it's the GOAT. It's Tom Brady. You've said your piece, and, and look, I'm just going to be very upfront. I'm not placing any wagers on the win, the loss, the spread, the anything about this part of the game, but I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win this game. I, I don't know if part of me is doing that to, oh, yeah. to make it. To, to make it so that to make it so that JJ can sleep a little bit better tonight. Thank you. But I've said it before and I gotta stay consistent with it. As long as Patrick Mahomes is in this league, as long as he's playing, I am not picking against him. I'm sorry. I cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes. And for me, yes, that O-line is really mangled. I think the X factor in this one is Big Red himself. I think he is far and away a better coach than Bruce Arians. And even and even if that O-line's a little banged up or whatever, I think Big Red's gonna be able they might not be leading at halftime, but they'll make the adjustments. I got to go with Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry, JJ. I love the man a little much. I, I, but I digress. That's going to wrap it up for us today for our, for our main show, for our halftime rapid fire. We're going to go and get into a little something called tap outs. Now, Janelle, you don't have to partake. I know you probably weren't ready for this one. We just take like 30 seconds or a minute. Tell something that's on our mind, whether it's been bothering you. Whatever you want, you get to talk about it. I'm going to let Max go first, and you can let me know if you have one or you're not feeling it today. You have one, Max? Uh, yeah, I do. I just – the issue with tap outs for me is that I'm about to talk about something that's, you know, it's still news, but it's just it, – the the. right, so basically I just want to say, you know, if unless you've been living under multiple rocks, you've heard about what's happening with GameStop and the stock market and, and you know, the, the, the quote-unquote – free market and you know there's everything that that can be said by people who are much smarter than me on the subject and are much more in tune with the stock market and the way the finance you know world works have already inputted on this so i'm just going to boil down to something really simple if you are i'll keep it as simple as this if you are actively rooting against the people driving up gamestop stock price However you want to classify those people, whether you want to call them Redditors, whether you want to call them losers, whether you want to call them, you know, retail investors, right? Whatever you want to call them. If you are actively rooting against those people, then I hope you choke on your slice of boot tonight. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> now, now, yeah, preach. I, I was not fortunate enough to get in on the GameStop sweepstakes. Did any of you? Did any of you get in on that? Nope. Yeah, no, me neither. How are the people, though? Janelle, Janelle, are you feeling it tonight? You do not have to by any means. This is good. Um, plug yourself, Janelle. Tell us. Yeah, tell yeah go ahead. Yes. Yeah, That's stuff. actually what I was going to do. Um, yeah. So just wanted to say you can um, watch my podcast, The J-Spot, on all of your podcast platforms, listening platforms. So Apple, uh, Google, uh, Spotify, all of those platforms. I know it's a few more. And you can follow me on Instagram at jspotpod. You can follow the podcast there and you can follow myself on Instagram at Lisa 
dot Nicole underscore. Again, that's Lisa dot Nicole underscore and J Spot Pod. Follow, uh, listen to the podcast. And then real quick, just want to give a shout out. Um, I see that Max has his temple banner behind him. So want to give a shout out. We lost a legend the last few days in John Cheney. So just want to give a shout out to John Cheney and what he did for Temple and men's basketball. Um, he did some great things for that program. So just want to want to shout out what he did for Temple. Yeah. Yeah. I was Janelle, thank you. You stole the words right out of my mouth. That was going to be my quick little tap out as well. I didn't have much to say, but yeah, it was just crazy over the weekend seeing anyone who had basically ever touched a basketball or traveled through Philadelphia had glowing words to say about John Cheney. It's just been, you know, it's been a sad little time over here at Temple. I unfortunately was not here, obviously. Never really got to see him play. I mean, his team's play, that is. John Cheney, rest in peace, John Cheney. And of course, Thank you so much for coming on our show. It was an honor having you on. It was a great time. And I'm just doing that because, you know, I'm going to let JJ. And I'm getting this I'm getting this out of the way before we let him go off. Might, I'm just going to go ahead and mute myself. Might even take the I'm headphones out a little bit. I'm going to behave. I'm going to behave. Um, All right. Let's I, don't, I, don't have much, I don't have much more to say right now about the Super Bowl. Um, to check what I do have to say the rest of the week. Follow us on our Twitter and, and Instagram pages on Twitter at TTPL Philly on Instagram at trust the process live, my new Philly.com um, or sorry, Facebook.com slash my new Philly, because I'll be giving Super Bowl vibe checks from Tuesday till Sunday to let you know how I'm feeling about the Super Bowl. What I'm thinking. Wait till, wait till it's Sunday and see how terrible you feel. Yeah, You're going to feel so anxious and miserable on Sunday. On Sunday you see the top bubble right here at the 65 on Sunday. That drone's going to be below the bar. I'm not even yeah. sure where it's I was, I was physically ill the day yeah, the Eagles yeah, played the Super Bowl. I just started drinking so early that I didn't have to think. I, I didn't even know what was going on. That's a great I, I couldn't I, cope no, no, with my emotions. Right. I need that. For, for a team that went to their really? first Super Bowl, like, like I, I really need that. I want to know how y'all done Trust me. It, so, it, so, honestly, this sounds degenerate. It helped me so much with, <laughs> with the pregame jitters. Like, I, I it really it. did. I was freaking out the day of the Super Bowl. I, I, mm. I decided to make that active decision to start drinking, and it helped. Oh, it helped with that, 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 that those last couple of hours. When it starts to transition from air to sun going down at five o'clock, and then you still have to wait two more hours yeah. when it's dark out, that's the worst. That is really when it starts to kick. No, I, I feel you. So, so keep it locked with all our socials. You'll be you'll be getting my vibe checks uh, and my content. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel, James Jackson. I'm putting out videos all week for the Super Bowl too. You're gonna see a lot of me through this week. But the other yeah. part of my tap out. The other part of my tap out is it is February 1st, the start of Black History Month. So happy Black History Month to everybody out there. Um, just like on Martin Luther King Day, I'm not going to say too much about it because I want you guys to go and educate yourself, not only on Black people in sports, Black people in politics, Black people in entertainment, Black people in beauty, Black people in movies, Black people everywhere. Because, um, you know, it, it may be the shortest month of the year. We all know that. Um, but it's a very important month. So happy Black History Month. Go educate yourself. And it's a great time to celebrate Black people everywhere. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Happy Black History Month indeed. We got nothing else for you. That was a wrap for us. Janelle, of course, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, guys for it. Thank you, Janelle. That's going to do it for Trust the Process Live with my new Philly, where something's always new and everything, everything is always, always Philly. Yes, sir.
Fire them cannons, baby!